great for us to be back together around the word of God. And I know that over the last few weeks, I've shared some of the things that I've learned through this lockdown period, talked about me learning skills of hairdressing, which have been quite exciting. Well, I also want to let you know a top tip. I'm not sure about you, but for our family, baking has become high on the priority list of things to do. So you can imagine how mortified I was the other week when I went into the supermarket and there was no caster sugar. So I went home and I was speaking to a neighbor and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got no caster sugar. And she said, Faye, have you got granulated sugar? And I said, yes. She said, well, you can make granulated sugar into caster sugar by simply popping it in the food processor. Life-saving tip right there. So I just want to encourage any of you bakers out there who are concerned about the lack of caster sugar, you can use granulated sugar to make caster sugar. In fact, if you leave that granulated sugar in the blender a bit longer, you've even got icing sugar. So there you go. Just wanted to share that with you. Be blessed. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the word of God and how we can have faith for a great future. And we've been looking in particular around what James has to say. And we've talked about the fact that James is a book that's a bit like a how-to guide for living. How do we live our everyday lives? And really the heartbeat behind the book of James is all about how we can grow up and become mature as Christians. Because really that is the goal for each one of us, isn't it? Our goal is to become more like Christ. Our goal is to mature and grow up. And spiritual growth doesn't come as a result of how long we've been Christians. No, spiritual growth comes, becomes as a result of our ability to do the word of God. So we are going to look to see how God's word can continue to change us from the inside out, how his word can transform us. And we're going to look through the book of James to see how we can allow the word of God to change how we speak, to allow it to renew us so that we can be all that God has created us to be. Last week, we looked at what James had to say about our words. And we saw that James talked over a number of illustrations and showed us that our words have the power to direct our lives. Our words have the power to destroy our lives and our words have the power to delight. And we, when we looked at how our words can direct our lives, we saw that James illustrated through a bit in a horse's mouth or through a rudder on a ship, how those powerful things can be controlled and directed because of the bit and the rudder. Equally, we learnt that our tongue, even though it is small, it does have the power to control our lives. And as a result of that, we have to be careful what we say. We have to choose the words that we're going to speak because those words are going to lead us into our future. So we have to know what we want to allow in us so that we can speak the right words out of us. We also looked at how our words can destroy us. And that was somber. To think that a spark can set a whole fire in a forest is the way that James describes our tongue being. Our tongue has the potential to cause chaos where there was harmony. It has the potential to throw mud on a reputation and to ruin lives. And again, we learnt that our words can really impact people 
for better or for worse. And words, they can be forgiven, but often words do leave scars. So we need to carefully consider the words that we speak. And thirdly, we looked at how our words can delight others and delight our lives. And we saw that our words are like a fountain. And we know that that fountain is there to refresh others. And our words are to be like God's words. God only speaks good things over us. He only speaks words that are going to heal us, that are life-giving, that are going to save us, that are going to encourage us, that are gentle, that are kind. They're so precious and valuable. And we saw as we tracked through Proverbs that God wants our words to be like his words. He wants them to be life-giving and encouraging. He wants us to use our words to build people up and not tear people down. And we're going to continue to look today about more of what James has to say about our words and more about how our words play a really powerful part in our lives. So this morning, I want us to begin by exploring about the power of words in as much as do we realize that each day we live according to words and by words. Our worlds are shaped and framed by the words that we hear. Words are powerful. Words have the ability to change our minds, to change the way we think. They have the ability to change the course that we take. So I want us to look at what is our food source? Where are we feasting? Because where we feast will help us understand what direction our lives can take. Is our food source the TV? You only have to turn on the news. And you can see that the news prepares um, stories that are filled with negativity. They choose to present life through a negative viewfinder. They choose to present stories that oftentimes leave us in fear. We only have to look at this whole season that we've been in to see that there's not a lot of great reporting about good things that are happening, but those words through news reports can cause us, if we allow it, can cause us to feel, fear, feel fearful for our futures. And you can flick on another channel and we see soap operas. What do a lot of soap operas feed us? A lot of times it's strife, it's contention, it's drama. I can remember as a teenager, I loved watching soap operas. Neighbours, Home and Away, I was there. But I really felt the Holy Spirit challenge me and say, Faye, do you really want to be feeding your life with this kind of stuff? And back then as a teenager, I made a decision. And it wasn't easy because TV is enjoyable. But I made a decision and thought, no, I don't want to be sat watching people living in strife, watching arguments, watching their worlds fall apart. I don't want that for my life. I don't need that in my life. And I certainly don't want to replay that in my life with my friends and my family and my loved ones. Sometimes we need to really look at what are we watching? Does it line up with the word of God? And make a decision in that moment. Well, if this food source is not healthy, do I want it to be nourishing my body? 
because we will see the results of that food source in our bodies at some time. We will see the results of that food source come out of our lives and God only wants the best for us. What are the songs like that we listen to? What are we allowing our minds to feed on day by day? Again, a number of years ago, when I was living at home, I can remember going to my mum one day and saying, Mum, I just feel so low and I don't know why. And she sat down with me and she was like, well, has anything happened with your friends? I was like, no. She said, so no arguments? No, Mum. She said, have you watched anything that's upset you? No. Have you read anything? No, Mum. She said, what about your music you're listening to, Faye? Is there anything there that could be affecting your mood? And I said, oh, mum, I'm not sure. And over the next few days, I just started listening to the lyrics of the music I was listening to. And I was quite shocked. But in choosing to listen, it did provide me with an answer to my problem. You see, for me, I had just bought a single by Bjork called It's Oh So Quiet. And I loved that song and I would play it around the room. And with any single back in those days of tape recorders, they also had a B-side where they'd give you another song that you could listen to. So I'd be flipping that tape back and forth. And there was nothing wrong with the one song's words. But when I listened to the second side, I realized that she was singing about somebody committing suicide by jumping off a cliff. And all the pieces started falling into place. My mood, my feelings were completely changed as a result of the words and the music that I was allowing to speak into my life. Prior to that, I hadn't really paid attention to what was being spoken, but my mind had heard it. In it my, I may not have been aware at that time, but it was impacting me. You see, we need to be careful about the words that we feed off because they have the ability to change our lives. I love the word of God. And I love that Jesus is so clear in his instruction towards us. Listen to what it says in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus gives us a key in that scripture as to how we can live a life that flourishes in any situation. We need to live off the word of God. We need to choose to live from it because it has the power to change our lives. So why is it important to give God's word top priority. It really is so simple. It's the difference between eating from a rubbish bin or dining at the finest restaurant. Isaiah 55, eight to 11 says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. 
God's word always produces fruit. And when we choose to allow God's word to be top priority in our food chain, we cannot help but be blessed because his ways are higher than his ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We get to feast on the best Food And his word says that food will produce fruit and that fruit is going to nourish us. That fruit is going to lead us into a faith filled future. John 6, 63 says this, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. God's words that he speaks to us are spirit and life. They are not death. It's life that we are listening to. His words will sustain us. They'll nourish us. He will give us the life that he has come to live, to give us. The life we read about in John 10, 10, the abundant life. You know, you may say, Faye, I hear you talking about words. And I look back over my life and in all reality, the words I've listened to haven't framed my world so well. The words that have spoke, been spoken to me haven't been the greatest. My life has been bruised by words. My life has been um, crushed by words. My life's been destroyed by words. And you may be listening and thinking, if I've not got a great example to go by, how am I going to live a life where my words can find hope, future and peace? I want to encourage you today, if you find yourself in that position, God's word is going to direct you. When we become Christians, his acceptance of us has nothing to do with our background. It has nothing to do with what we bring along. It means nothing to him how good we've lived our life. And equally, we are not discredited for the mess up that we've made in our lives. No, when we ask Jesus into our lives, he comes in as a result of our faith in him. It's a decision to choose to follow him. And we, through our words of our mouth, ask him to come into our lives. And because of that, any human wisdom, anything that we've amassed over our lives means nothing. The life of Christ, the life of a Christian has nothing to do with pedigree. It has nothing to do with our accomplishments. God says, just forget it all. We've got to leave that and we've got to enter into a new life. So I want to encourage you that God's word is all that you need as you walk this new life out in Christ. Yes, your family members may not have spoken well over you and perhaps they still say things that damage and hurt, but I want you to choose to discard those words that you know that can harm and choose to feast yourself on the word of God. Let me encourage us all today about what the Bible says about God's words. He says in Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord holds true. We can trust everything it does. Luke 1, 37 says, for the word of God will never fail. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is my source of hope. Isaiah 48 says this, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And Matthew 24 verse 35 says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Who do we know that can make those promises about the words that they speak? 
I don't know anybody. And that's why we each have to choose to hang on to the word of God. We have to choose to make that priority in our lives. We have to choose to make that the thing that we live our everyday life by. And God's words to you and I today are the same as his words to the children of Israel. Listen to what Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 to 20 says. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. God sets before each one of us today the same decision. We have a choice to make. What are we going to allow to frame our lives? Death or life, blessing or curses. God's word is spirit and life. He only speaks blessing. And we would all do well to choose life. So this morning, I want us, as we continue to explore about the power of our words, I want us to look at some practical lessons to help us with the words that we speak. And in one sense, we could call them lessons for the tongue. And we've got five lessons that we're going to look at this morning. And the first thing that I want us to learn is that we need to learn to speak with self-control. We often get ourselves into so much trouble because of the words that we speak. Have you ever been around somebody that says, I just speak what's on my mind, I say it as it is. And oftentimes they're quite proud of that. But do you know what? Speaking your mind, saying it as it is, is actually a mark of immaturity. James 1 verse 26 says this, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. If we speak things that are on our mind, but they're not the mind of Christ, we have just blown it. We need to rein ourselves in. We need to control our tongue. We may have memorized a thousand verses in the Bible. We may go to church every Sunday, attend a connect group and the prayer meetings. But if we're a gossip, our words, are youth, our words and our religion is useless, worthless. That's what James 1 says. If we speak wrong of other people, it's worthless. If we spread rumors, it's worthless. If we can't say things that are accurate and true, if we exaggerate things, or if we speak impulsively, we're not controlling our tongue. James 1 says, our religion is worthless. As followers of Jesus, if our lives are not becoming more Christ-like and holy, then we really have missed the point. It really is of no value or worth. Our maturity as Christians is displayed through our tongue and the way that we control it. And it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. So how can we control our tongue? How can we act with self-control? 
James 3, 7 says this, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. The problem is with our tongue is that it can't be controlled by our own efforts. We've managed to tame animals. We've managed to learn how to control them. But it's not going to cut it when it comes to controlling our mouths. It is only the word of God and the Holy Spirit that is going to be able to control our tongue. Just like a horse needs a rider to hold on to that bit and direct him, just like a ship needs a captain to steer that ship and point that rudder in the right direction, so our lives need the Holy Spirit to help control our words and what we say. John 16 verse 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives is to guide us into all truth. He's there to help us along the way. Siri, Google, self-help books are not going to help guide our way which is going to lead us to truth. Only the Holy Spirit can lead our lives and guide our lives into all truth. And we have to choose to cooperate. Self-control comes as a result of us making a decision. Listen to what Ephesians 4.22 says. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God truly righteous and holy. You see, we have a choice to make. We've got to choose to put off our old nature and we've got a choice to make in putting on our new nature and allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts and to renew our attitudes. One of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives that will be evident for everyone to see is the fruit of self-control. And we can only learn self-control by practicing self-control, which means that every day we are going to have to lean into the Holy Spirit to ask him to help control the words that we speak. I guarantee if you were to listen to every conversation in your day, you will find there are multiple times where we can allow the Holy Spirit to control the words that we speak. Perhaps we go to say something that may be a bit critical. Rein it in. Perhaps we're about to say something that could be discouraging as somebody else. Rein it in. Maybe somebody has said something to you that's upset you and you're about to fight back and quarrel back. Rein it in. Perhaps somebody's been harsh with the way that they've spoken to you and you want to fight fire with fire. Rein it in. The Holy Spirit will help us to rein it in. We are to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to control our words so that we just don't speak what's on our mind. We just don't respond in the way that our body naturally wants to respond, but we allow that new nature to live out through our lives. We have to make a choice whether we allow our words to become a life-giving fountain or whether we allow our words to be like a sewer. In Proverbs 10, 11, it says this, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. I love this scripture 
Because this scripture tells us that we've got to talk the right talk and we've got to walk the right walk. We have to make sure that our words are life-giving fountains, not sewers. And we have to choose to walk in love. We have to choose to walk in God's love. And that can be found according to Corinthians 13. Psalm 141 verse 3 says this to help us with our words. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. God wants to help us control our words. So we need to speak, number one, with self-control. The second thing that we can learn is that we need to speak less. Speaking for speaking's sake is dangerous. Job 15.3 says this, The wise don't engage in empty chatter. Proverbs 17.27 says a truly wise person uses few words. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says too many words make you a fool. And Ecclesiastes 6.11 says the more words you speak, the less they mean. The Bible is filled with signposts to help us along the path of life. And the signpost reads this, less is more. Less is more. God does not want us to just blurt out and speak and speak and speak. It says this in Proverbs 21, 23, watch your words and be careful what you say and you'll be surprised how few troubles you have. Living life without many troubles, I'm in for that. And the Bible clearly says, watch what we say. Be careful with our words. And James goes on to say this in James 1.19. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Wow, that scripture there is saying we need to listen more and speak less. We've given, been given two ears and one mouth and we need to use them in that proportion. Often what we do is a lot of chatter and not a lot of listening. Why don't we take time to think about the conversations that we have? The next time you have a conversation, weigh up. How much speaking have I done here and how much Real listening have I done? Have I really listened well? Or have I been more interested in saying what I've got to say? When we just say a lot of things, we have the potential to do damage, to look like a fool. When we speak, we want people to feel like they've been valued because we've listened to them. We've not jumped in over them. We've not cut them off in the middle of their sentence. But no, take time to listen to what people have to say. They will feel so valued by being listened to well rather than being talked at. And when we are listening and we listen well, it's amazing because we don't jump to conclusions. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and it's foolish. Let's take time to listen to everything before we come up with our solution or we pop in our two pennies worth. Let's listen to what people are saying. And let's allow the Holy Spirit 
to control what we say, to rein it in. I know that I found that in my own life, that as the Holy Spirit is leading me on a journey of maturity, there have been times that I've gone to say something and what I'm about to say is nothing wrong. But the Holy Spirit's just whispered and said, don't say it, just leave it. Do you know what he's doing? He's training me. He's training me to control my tongue. What I was going to say wasn't going to hurt anyone, but can I just not say it? Am I able just to refrain my words? Because James 3.1 says that the person who can control their tongue can control every other part of their lives and their minds. The third thing I want us to look at today goes on really from what we've just read in James. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to get angry. And I want to speak to us today about speaking with timeliness. Don't ever speak when we're angry because it has the potential for great pain. Proverbs 29, 22 says this, an angry person starts fights and a hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. When we allow our anger to control our words, we are likely to fall into sin. Psalm 4.4 says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. This psalm here is picking up on the last two points we've talked about. It's saying think about it overnight. What's that all about? Self-control. Remain silent. What's that all about? Speaking less. He says don't let our anger control you. Do you know, have you ever noticed when you look back at a, maybe an argument that you've had with somebody and you think, what was that all about? Can I give you some advice that I received many years ago through a book written by Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife? And she said this. She said, don't talk about important things late at night because normally... We're tired, we're irritable, we've been through a hard day and often when we talk about important things at night, it can lead to contention, disagreement and arguments. Instead, instead she said, talk about those important things in the morning when you're refreshed, when you're thinking straight and when you've got fresh perspective on things. When we talk about anger, we talk about something that has the power to destroy a very valuable, precious relationship in our lives. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. When we spurt out words, when we're angry, when we're careless with our words, we're harming the people that we love the most. And yes, we can apologize. And yes, people are gracious with us in forgiving us and loving us even when we've messed up. But how much better is it to have not said those words in the first place? How much better it is to refrain from speaking when we're feeling so hot-blooded and we end up spurting out things that we really don't mean? What we always need to remember is that the relationship is more important than the issue. So, and Proverbs 18:19 says, "An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars." And Proverbs 19:11 says this, "Sensible people control they, their tongue, or their temper, sorry. They in respect 
by overlooking wrongs. We need to overlook wrongs. We need to not allow our temper and our anger to speak out because what we don't say is often as important as what we do say because what we don't say potentially had the power to destroy a relationship. We need to refrain and we need to choose to speak with timeliness and speak when we are not in a place of feeling angry. The fourth thing that I want to say and encourage us as we look at lessons for the tongue is we are to speak well of others and to others. We need to make a decision to speak well of others all the time. It's not for us as children of God to gossip to slander, to criticize, or to sow discord and contention. Ephesians 4.29 says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's look and draw attention at that word. Let everything you say be good and helpful and encouraging. Not just some of the words that we speak, but here we're being challenged. Everything needs to be good, helpful and encouraging. Do you know there's nothing more refreshing than being around somebody that speaks well, who chooses to use their words to bring a good report, who chooses to use their words to encourage somebody, to build them up, to inspire them, to let them know that they believe in them. Because our words are like fountains that refresh people. There's nothing worse being criticized when you're going through a tough time. In the Bible, we see that in the life of Job. He went through an awful time. He lost everything that he loved. And his friends came to see him. And during his time spent with his friends, they were looking at the reasons why he must have been in this situation. Oh, well, it must have been because you've sinned. You've done something wrong, Job. And they criticized him. Now, Job is at a weak point in his life. He's lost everything. And listen to what Job says in Job 16, verse 4 to 6. And this is what he says to his friends. I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. That's the kind of people that we need to be with our words and our conversations. Not to be gossips, not to be critical, not to be discouragers, but to be people that build one another up through the words that we speak. So when we go to engage in a conversation, before we even say anything, or before we decide whether we're going to stay in that conversation, let's judge that conversation based on Ephesians 4. Is this conversation going to be good? Is it going to be helpful? And is it going to be encouraging? And if the answer to those questions is no, my suggestion to you would be step out of the conversation. Don't even be a part of it. Walk away and choose to only speak life through your words. Because we need to be really careful with the words we speak. The Bible says we will give an account to God for the words we speak in Matthew 12. It says we'll give an account for every idle word we speak. So our words, they are really important. So let's not get caught up in conversations that are not befitting of who we are as children of God. What I love about the Bible is the Bible actually says when we refresh others, we ourselves are refreshed. 
in Proverbs 11.25, it says that. The Bible says that we reap what we sow. When we choose to only allow good, helpful, encouraging words to come from our lives and to encourage others, we can expect to reap a harvest of that in our own lives and indeed be refreshed and indeed be strengthened by others' words in our lives. And I think that is an amazing aspect of using our lives to be like fountains that are life-giving to others. And the final thing I want to share with you today is that let's speak with purpose. When Dave and I were getting married, we needed to take time to assess our finances because we wanted to buy a house and we needed to save for a deposit. So we got all of our bank books out and we began looking at what was coming into the bank account and what was going out. And based on what we saw and based on what we wanted in the house that we really would have liked to live in, we had to make some changes in our the way that we were spending money so that we could live in the house that we wanted. We had to stop spending money on food and drinks in work. We were like spending each of us about £80 a month just on eating out. And we also had to sell the car, sell the sports car because the loan on it was massive. And hey, we were able to drive around in that fancy pants car if we wanted, but that fancy pants car was not going to allow us to live in the house that we really wanted to live in. You see, we had to take stock of our finances because we knew where we wanted to go in our future. And it's the same with us with our words. We need to take stock of our words because our words will direct us into our future. We know we've talked about the fact that the Bible is filled with life-giving words to give us a future and a hope. So what I want to share is just one thing to help us that we may need to remove from our conversations that are going to be negative. It's going to not help us as we live our lives with purpose and that is we need to choose to do everything without grumbling and complaining yikes Philippians 4 says it do all things without grumbling and complaining I don't want to do this I hate that why do I have to these are often words that we are great at spilling out but do you know what that is just a complaining grumbling spirit and it can impact the way our day goes Dr. Dale Robbins writes this about complainers. I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I came to realize they have a lot of problems because they complain. Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. It amplifies frustration. It spreads discontent and discord and can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. Complaining makes us miserable. Psalm 77 verse 3 says this, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Our life in Christ is not to be a life filled with moaning and complaining. Our life in Christ is not a life filled with I can't. It's a life filled with I cans. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God's grace is sufficient for every morning. His mercies are new. We need to walk into every day day and we need to really choose to speak life in our situations. Let's not wake up if we're about to face something in our day and we know it's tricky. Let's not wake up and say, oh, I'm dreading this. I'm not going to be able to do it. 
Instead, wake up and say, God, thank you that you are with me today. Thank you that your mercy and your grace is here for me in this moment. And as I go about my day, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are going to give me strength. I thank you that you are going to help me and I choose to approach this day with joy. There's two ways that we can look at it. I'm dreading this. Or thank you, Lord, for what you can do. Let me ask the question, which day is going to set you up better? It's number two, isn't it? Choose life. Choose words that are going to bless. Our words are seeds. They're like seeds for our future. Our words, when we speak positive words, we breathe life over our circumstances. Our words magnify situations. We can magnify them positively or we can magnify them neg negatively. So I want to encourage each of us each day to speak with purpose. Speak words that are going to be filled with life, words that are going to be filled with I can, words that are based on what the word of God says for our lives. And let's not be a people that moan and complain, that see things down but no we see things the way God sees things we see things through the lens of faith and for every promise that God has promised us so those are just five simple lessons I wanted to share to help us all as we journey through life and as we learn to become more mature because what we see from the book of James is that our lives are mature when we learn how to control our tongue, when we learn how to respond, when we learn how to speak, when we learn how to choose what words nourish us well, we see our lives flourish, we see our lives grow, we see our lives become more like Christ. And that's what the end goal is, hey? is for our words and our lives to represent Jesus. So I pray that my words over the last few weeks have helped you. And maybe you've been listening to this message today and you say, Faye, I need to start with asking Jesus into my life. You've talked about words of life and hope. You've talked about Jesus giving me a new future, but I've not asked Jesus into my life. It would be my privilege to ask him, in, to, I, to say a prayer to ask him into your life. Simply say these words. Say, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you that you left heaven and came to earth and died on a cross so that I could have you as my savior. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. You can head to our website and let us know because we would love to bless you with a Bible. But praying for you, and God has got a good future for us. He knows the plans that he has for us. They are plans to give us a future and a hope. God bless you.